Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Everybody, it's Matt Johnson. We are here with the inaugural episode of the Team Building Podcast. This is going to be a really exciting series. It's hosted uh, by Jeff Cohn, who I've got with me today. Jeff, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Matt? I'm super pumped to launch this Team Building Workshop slash podcast, and I'm really excited to talk to everybody about some of the things we're going to cover here over the next couple of years. That's right. So this is going to be a little bit different from what we've doing with the with the Elite Real Estate Systems Hangouts. We've been talking about basically all kinds of stuff and, and then interviewing some of the uh, top team leaders or top producers around the country. So we're going to get really, really focused on this podcast going forward <clears throat> on the mechanics and the, the systems and processes and steps to building a team. And then when we bring in other guests and interview them, we're going to be talking about the specific ways that they've applied those steps and systems and how it kind of works a little bit differently with their teams. And we're going to get laser focused on showing you exactly how to apply those lessons to your business. And so that's the uh, that's the focus of the team building podcast. And along with that is going to come the team building field report, which is uh, which is an email newsletter that's going to go out a couple of times a month that gives you a summary of all the best uh, action steps, the actual takeaways and tactics that you can install in your team uh, to reach a new level in whatever area that you want to, whether it's lead generation or culture or systems and processes, admin, recruiting, whatever the case is. So there'll be something uh, we'll focus on some different things every month, but it'll be a different aspect of how to build your team. But for this first episode, we're going to go deep into a few things. Number one, we're going to talk about some of the different models of teams out there and why, Jeff, you chose the what's called the CEO model. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the, the, the journey of building a team and what it requires in terms of the personal development of you as the team leader, because this is really, really interesting stuff that probably gets left out of all the flash and all the stats and all the, uh, you know, Yep. Whatever you want to call it, I'll, I'll keep it. Uh, I'll keep it mild. But uh, there, there's a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of measuring being taking place with with team leaders and stuff. And uh, we'll we'll get into some of the personal development that it actually takes to build a top performing team. I like but, that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's start at the top. So first of all, there there's a big you know there's a big debate, and other podcasters have. Uh, very heavy views one way or the other. A lot of team sure. leaders have views of their own, and then you've got your top rainmakers that uh, that are still still out there in the trenches producing, still taking listings, still working with buyer clients. So, sure. why would someone want to start a team? What what does success look like? Yeah, so I think agents get to a place where they recognize that to be able to sell any additional homes, you know, they need to create time, and obviously, it's impossible to do that. We all share the same amount of time. And so to be able to expand one's self and the activities that they're doing, we call that leverage. And we need other people to be able to leverage or technology that can help us leverage our time. Um, most agents get to a place of diminishing returns, meaning they can't service any additional clients without adding that time component, but they're maxed out. You know, I know agents that spend 60 to 70 hours, even 80 hours a week working in the real estate business. And so if an agent kind of feels tapped out, maybe for them it's 30 to 40 hours a week and they feel tapped out, the next thing they can choose to do is start to leverage their time by hiring transaction coordinators and buyer's agents and listing agents. And the list goes on and on and on like we've talked about in the past. And so that was the place I got to in my own personal business back in 2010. I was feeling tapped out. I'd been in the business for over five years. I was selling 80 or 90 houses a year. 
and I was tired. I was making a lot of money, but I was sick of being the one that had to meet with the clients every day, and I felt like there had to be a better way. Yeah. All right, so tell us uh, just for everybody that uh, that hasn't kind of heard some of the backstory or if they've missed some of your other podcasts. So fill us in on kind of what the team looks like, what the what the structure is like, but more importantly, just fill us in on what your what your daily requirements are from the team and sure. how much is it how much does a top team really run without the team leader? Okay, good. So yeah, I get a lot of people. So a lot of the podcasts we've done prior to this, and we've Matt, you and I have done a hundred podcasts. Um, the feedback continually people wanted to hear hear us talk more about teams and that's why we're choosing now with our first premiere episode being today to talk about teams and focus on teams there's a lot of fluff out there um, and a lot of the coaches that try or attempt to talk about teams have never ran a team especially not a team my size and so they're speaking about something they have no information about they're hearing you know, they're getting feedback from clients but they've never actually done it they've never been in my shoes and so I'm excited today to be able to kind of launch this and talk a little bit more from my perspective of what it's like going from a Rainmaker agent, which I am and was, to being a CEO. My goal, to answer your question, uh, my goal was to not have to do anything. And not that I'm lazy, but I wanted to build a business that could run on its own so I could focus on bigger projects. And so what I did is I started to research other teams all across the country. I've visited over 50 teams and I currently mastermind with all the top age, not all the top agents, but a lot of the top agents across the country that are top 10, top 15 agents in the nation based on unit and volume sales. And so we started piecing together our team. So today in five years, we've gone from 80 transactions to 580 transactions last year. We're on track right now to do 750 units. And so to get to that place, I was an individual in 2011 and now we have 30 full-time agents uh, that work as buyers agents and listing agents. Those agents also have teams within my team. We have seven admin staff. So I have a full-time listing coordinator, a full-time buyers coordinator, a full-time sign runner, um, a full-time success manager that oversees our agents and a full-time operations manager that oversees our admin. And that's what allows me to be able to work on other projects and not put all my focus into our team. I essentially hired people to take over my obligations. And then we have uh, two virtual assistants, one that posts houses to Craigslist, one that helps us scrub internet leads that we're generating to our team. And then, of course, I'm serving as the CEO. So my role right now is three to five hours a week, um, you know, anywhere 15 to 20 hours a month on the team in Omaha, my Omaha team. And a majority of my time, I work a 40-hour work week like most. Um, a majority of my time is with Elite Real Estate Systems and our expansion team, our podcast, our consulting live, and a lot of these other projects that we're working on right now. Okay, so so just run us real quick through the three to five hours a week that you do spend actively managing the team, and what does that consist of, real quick? Perfect. So number one is holding my direct reports. Um, uh, I guess holding them accountable to the activities I've asked them to implement or execute on on a weekly basis. So they really have found a you know they're in their stride. They're now creating systems and processes. But in the beginning, I had essentially just plugged them into the role that I was serving. So let's take one at a time. So our success manager holds all of our agents accountable on a weekly basis to the expectations we've set for our agents. Um, we do hold them accountable to something. Most team leaders and brokers hold agents accountable to nothing. They actually work on a scarcity mentality that they're worried their agents are going to leave. So they overpromise and they underdeliver on value. We're the exact opposite. Um, we underpromise, we overdeliver, uh, we give them a lot more than most would give them. And so part of that is 
providing a weekly accountability meeting where I was sitting down every week for 20 to 25 minutes with each of our agents individually and checking in on them to make sure they're making their calls, that they're following up on all their goals, not just real estate goals, but maybe personal life goals, spiritual goals, uh, family goals, whatever it might be, and really helping make sure all the agents were well-rounded. So now, be it that I'm not doing those anymore, my success manager's doing those, I'm still touching base with him to make sure he is executing on the meeting. And then I'm actually checking in on each agent individually for, you know, one to two minutes, making sure everybody's happy, helping give him advice on things he can do to help those agents be as successful as possible. So that's a small little detail. There's a lot of other things I'm holding him accountable to, but that would be probably one of the more important ones. And then with our um, operations manager, who's overseeing our administrative positions, I'm making sure that he is continually creating new processes and procedures to help make sure all of our transactions are running smoothly. To go from 80 transactions to this year doing 750 in five years, a lot has changed. Obviously, right. to service 80 deals is, is not a lot of work compared to 750 deals. You need to make sure you have your, you know, your ship needs to be running real tight. So yeah. um, he is obviously, he's doing a great job with that. And then we're just touching base, one, you know, about 30 minutes to 45 minutes a week um, on, on his administrative responsibilities and then also on other projects that he's working on. Um, I also run our team meeting once a week. So I'm there every Monday morning at 9.30 to 10.30 running our team meeting, setting the tone for culture, getting people jacked up, excited about the week that's coming up, um, reporting on that, you know, whatever market conditions there are, making up um, observations and suggestions as to where they could be lead generating, but essentially running the team, you know, and um, call it, like I'm not around a ton. I'm always in my office, but I'm working on other business ventures. So I don't have a lot of direct contact on a daily basis with everybody. That's the success manager's role. Uh, but I am there and they see me on a weekly basis at that team meeting. And then outside of that, it's, um, you know, I, I still pay some bills. I still am the only one that has access to our bank account. Um, I'm still creating lender vendor relationships so that we can continue increasing our marketing service agreement contributions every month. Right now we collect about $12,000 a month through our marketing service agreements. And so you add all that up and it's about three hours. You know, it's not even five hours. I say three to five because some weeks might be a little bit more. Uh, But I've had top coaches across the country say it's impossible to make a million dollars a year net and spend three hours a week on your business. And I'm doing it. So if anyone wants to challenge that, feel free to email me. I'm happy to share my profit and loss statement with you. Yeah, and I have direct access to your calendar, so I actually can verify that that you're spending your time. Most of your time does go into other projects. You are yep. there in the office, but yeah, you're literally. I mean, I know what you spend your time on, and yep. uh, it's, I mean, it is three to five hours a week on the actual running of right. the team. So right now, don't get me wrong. People would listen to that and think, "Oh, Jeff Cohn works three hours a week." I couldn't work three hours a week. I would, I would go nuts. Yeah. It, and Matt Johnson will test that as well. I'm go 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 all the time. Um, there's no way I would just work three hours a week. So that's not what I'm doing. If I wanted to, I could just put three hours. I could actually not do anything if I wanted to at this point. My team runs without me, but I enjoy being here. This is my baby. I'm an agent at heart. You know, that's my core. That's what I did. Um, I've sold over a thousand houses personally. And I think that's also something, Matt, that makes us really different compared to a lot of the other coaches in the country, a lot of the other people that talk on this subject, a lot of the other brokers that run brokerages. They haven't been in an agent's shoes. And I understand what it's like to be an individual agent servicing clients. I know the grind. I know the sacrifices that we make. I know what it feels like to lose a deal after putting three months into it. And it changes the perspective. And so I'm here to tell anyone listening that you don't have to do it anymore. You can have someone else do it. You can teach them how to do it. You can help them be successful by holding them accountable, providing them leads, teach them how to convert those leads, teach them how to create their own leads and build a system for success that can net you over a million dollars a year and work less than three hours a week. That is living the dream. Yeah. 
All right, so that's what success looks like. Let's talk about uh, the numbers behind it a little bit. And one of the common, um, I guess, objections you might say, or at least from people from afar off that are that sure. are teaching rainmakers or are rainmakers themselves, is the profitability yeah. issue. Yep. So, what is it? What does the profitability mean to a team leader, and why is that different from a rainmaker? Sure. So obvious, the obvious observation is that if I choose to service a lead by myself, I will keep 100% of the commission. So let's say I have a million dollar client, you know, they buy a million dollar house and my broker is truly letting me keep 100% of the commission and it's a 3% payout, I'm going to get $30,000. So if you build a team and you're the CEO and you step out of production and you refer that lead out to your team and do a 50-50 split with the agent you're sending it to, now you're only going to make $15,000. So that's the loss. You take a 50% loss on the leads that you kick out to someone. And so there's a lot of rainmakers out there and they're following, you know, um, Tom Ferry, the Tom Ferry model, Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, who talk all about servicing the clients, staying in the game, um, working with all the buyers and all the sellers, building your sphere database, which isn't wrong. It's actually, it's worked for as long as real estate agents have existed. Um, the reason that I don't like that model is because then the rainmaker has to be there making rain. You know, you talk about the rock star agent. I've mentioned this before. Rock stars on stage at 70 years old don't look very good. And I, I don't know very many agents that have been able to retire by following the rock star model. Yeah. And the, the coaches that are telling everybody about the rock star model have never been rock stars and they're not rock stars today. So they're a coach doing the coaching model, making money off coaching, telling people to keep doing the activity that they're going to continue doing and needing the coaching for. So what I want to tell everybody is to create the CEO model and quit going to coaching. Quit spending the money month after month on something that's not changing your life. And, you know, if to me, to have to work 60 hours a week, even if I'm making $2 million a year, that's not worth it. And so I've had multiple agents, over five, who were making over a million dollars a year doing the rock star model, servicing the clients, who've come to my team building workshop. And we'll make mention of that a little in a little bit here. But they've come to our workshop and their dichotomy, you know, the mind, there was a mind shift and they thought, you know what, what if I made half, you know, following that example, I said of the million dollars, $30,000 commission, what if, what if they made $500,000 a year, but could work three hours a week, would that be better? Because the real question is, what could you do with the additional 57 hours or 37 hours? Could you make more than a half a million with 37 free hours every single week? And the answer is typically yes, when it comes to an entrepreneur mind. And if that is the answer and it is yes, then what's, why would you keep servicing the clients? And the answer is scarcity. You know, I think a lot of agents are scared of what's going to happen if I stop working the leads. Will, will my business crumble? And it's because people are scared to manage. People are scared to build. They're scared to fail. They're scared to have other people see them try something new and it doesn't work. They know, and I'm a control freak. My whole team will attest to it. The team leader knows that if they take the million dollar lead, they're going to rock it and roll it and it's going to close and they're going to make their 30,000. That's a guarantee. But if they refer it off to John Doe or Jane Doe, there's a question mark there and they don't want to have question marks in their business. And so that's why they choose to continue servicing the lead and make a million dollars a year and work 70 hours a week and be rock stars. Yeah, and that gets into the uh, personal development. We'll address that here in a second because there's a couple of other things I want to cover first. Uh, number one, so you mentioned the workshops briefly. So if anybody's interested, that is a, a program where you basically get to come into Jeff's office for one day and spend the entire day, go go through the team meetings, sit with ad, the admin staff, sit with the dialogue coach, sit with the success manager, the operations manager, basically see how everything works from the inside out and walk away with all the same systems and all the intellectual property for life that you can put into your business. Just go to uh, Elite Real 
realestatesystems.com slash workshops. Check out the team building workshop page. You can see uh, testimonials from some of the agents that have gone through it and uh, as well as just a brief overview video that gives you an idea of exactly what that is and you can actually register for it right through the site if you're interested. So. Moving on to the uh, the different models. So let's if once you decide, okay, I'm going to build a team. Now the first thing I guarantee most people think of is, hey, I will just go get other X agent, and then we're going to join forces, and we're going to be a team, and it's going to be awesome, and we're yeah. going to split. We're going to split lead gen costs, and we're going to close deals together, and we're going to go out for lunch, and then we'll go celebrate with a beer after the deal closes. And right, what's what's wrong with that model? So I've owned businesses since I was 12 years old. I started selling when I was five years old. Um, I was, when I was in kindergarten, we had the contest that whoever sold the most candy bars would get a Nintendo 16 bit first gen Nintendo at a kindergarten age. I mean, geez, right now I'd be excited about winning something like that. So as a kindergartner, man, that was like my world. So I begged my parents to take us to a grocery store and get permission from the grocery store to park our table in front of the grocery store. And we sold like 10 times as many candy bars as anybody from the school. And I'll give a lot of credit to my dad because he was the one obviously to facilitate that. But I was the cute little chunky kid with the candy bar, $1 candy bar, raising money for the school. I probably made the school 20000 and they kicked me a $200 Nintendo. But pretty fun as a kindergartner to beat out everybody at my grade school to win the Nintendo. So right there, that kind of stuck with me. But as I started building businesses um, in my high school years and then into college and now obviously um, I'm in my 30s, I'm 34, I realized really quickly that if you have a partner, that's great. Find a partner. But if one plus one equals two, there's no reason to do the partnership. And most of the time, as I see these agents, as agents build teams, they'll partner up with their friend, their brother, whatever, or somebody in their office because they both are doing a lot of business. But neither entity is making a profit off the other. And we call that a community team. It's the least valuable because you can't sell that asset. It's also not generating income. What people are doing is they're essentially just covering their 100% fee by combining forces or covering admin costs or office fees. There's really not a lot of value there. So the next evolution would be being a rainmaker agent where maybe you have a transaction coordinator and two or three buyer's agents, but you yourself are servicing a majority of the leads that are coming in. Call it so over 70% of the team's business is from the rainmaker. It's not really fair when a rainmaker team as a rainmaker, you look at your PL and say, yeah, I make a million dollars a year off of the team I've built. Because then the question is, well, what's your job? Are you a CEO or are you an agent? And most oftentimes, they're an agent on their own team. So you have to separate on your PL how much you've made as an agent on your team and then how much your business made. And I rarely see rainmaker agents who have a profitable business. The business usually ends up at zero or is in the negative. The only reason the business can continue and it exists at all is because of the rainmaker agent's commission income. So if you want to really look at your business and know what it's worth, you have to look at the income the business made outside of the commission income that that Rainmaker agent earned. And then the best model, which is the most valuable, which is sellable, um, which can run without the existence of that Rainmaker agent is going to be your CEO model. And that's essentially where the Rainmaker eliminates their, their role as an agent within the team, allows all their leads to go out to the team, finds new ways to a leverageable lead system to expand on the leads as they bring on more agents. And they spend all their time training and retaining and recruiting and building the team model and going to a place like where we've gone from 80 deals to 750 deals over five years, where I've, I've been able to step out of that Rainmaker role. I haven't sold for three years. Yeah. So the key is that that transition from Rainmaker to to CEO model, and we we'll talk about that probably in more in more depth in future oh, yeah. episodes because you can you can talk about that for hours. There's a whole there's a there's whole stage. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I I would say to anyone listening, go out to jeffsfreegift.com, J-E-F-F-S freegift.com, and I have the progression for free. Anyone that goes out and signs up, 
Um, I have like kind of the roadmap to becoming a CEO, step-by-step step what you need to do. And then there's another free gift surprise PDF if you go check that out. That's right. Yeah, so let's get into the personal development stuff a little bit because that, that's what's really interesting about this whole like transition, not just from Rainmaker to, to CEO, but just it, anytime you're in the process of building a team and you start bringing people on, it all of a sudden shifts from how good of a salesperson you are to how good of a leader you are. And there's all sorts of personal development issues that come up with, uh, with that transition. So what yeah. are some of the things that you've had to specifically address as you've grown your team and become a different type of uh, business owner? Yeah, you know, Jim Rohn said it best, and he has a quote that says, essentially, our own personal success will never exceed our own personal development. And I applied that quickly with myself. You know, I got a degree, undergrad degree in business administration with an emphasis in management. Uh, lived in Brazil two years. I speak fluent Portuguese and Spanish. And I went into real estate, you know, and people felt sorry for me. I had people saying, oh, man, real estate, 2006, sorry. They felt bad for me, like slapped me on the back. I felt bad for myself. I was like, yeah, I know. Kind of crazy, like 100% commission job. My first year, I made 100 grand at 23 years old, had a baby, lived in an apartment. And right there, I was like, wow, I think um, I can be pretty successful in this role. So go back to your question. What was the original question? What are some of the personal development issues you've oh, run right. up against? Or had to, yep. so, yeah. so the reason I guess I prefaced with that was, you know, I got, got my degree and knew I was going to go into real estate and wanted to become the best realtor I could. So what did I do? I first turned to all the agents within my local market and went out and asked them if they were 22 years old with the desire of being in real estate for 30 years, what would they have done differently? And most of them said they would have bought rental property. That's what I continued to get. No one said build a team. No one said learn to generate leads off the internet. Everyone said buy rental property, which is great advice, but it didn't teach me how to earn income as a realtor. And so I had to take it to the next level, which was to me books. Um, there's a quote somewhere that says the difference between you and me are the books that you read and the people you meet. So I continued to find people in my own market and then I started returning the books and I read all the best books, Millionaire Real Estate Agent, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, you know, there's tons of them I could go on and on. But the books really helped transform my mind. And what I found was if you read the books and gain the knowledge without application, you don't learn. The learning really comes from doing, but you don't know what to do unless you learn. So it's like this catch 22. And so my goal was to learn and apply, learn and apply, learn and apply. Most people get stuck either in the learning or in the application. But if you can combine the two, that really is going to change things. And I learned quickly that the books only took me so far. And so I started to mastermind nationally. And then I started listening to podcasts from all these people that I was masterminding with nationally. And that's still where I am today. I'm trying to surround myself with the best minds in this industry. And I own eight other businesses. And I'm continuing to mastermind with the people that are the best minds in the industry of the other businesses. But you have to, my word of caution, one, one has to be cognizant of the people you're listening to because sometimes they're too far ahead. You know, if I wanted to, you know, start a brokerage, I probably am not going to meet with the broker, the number one broker in the country. I want to try to meet with a broker that does, you know, maybe 500 deals more than me a year or 5,000 deals more than me a year so that I have some frame of reference. And so right now, you know, you're listening to a guy, I have 30 agents on my team. Eventually I'll have hundreds of agents on my team in Omaha. Um, I have five expansion teams across the country. Eventually I'll probably have 500 expansion teams. And so um, when you do think about who you'd want to visit, who you'd want to connect with, I would make, um, warn you, please be cognizant of the person you meet with, let the, have it be someone that's only a couple years ahead of you, not 20 years ahead of you. Um, and I think it's going to be easier, easier for you to model and tr you'll trust yourself more that what they've obtained is obtainable so that they're not too far away. I know even people listening to me now that hear that we're going to sell 750 houses. Five years ago, I would have been like, I'll never sell 750 houses. That sounds insane. But if you come to the workshop, to put another little plug in, we have one on June 20th and July 25th. When you come to the workshop and I show you step-by-step -step how I built the team, 
we've had a lot of people say they were shocked when they leave how simple it was because it really comes down to the three pillars of lead generation, lead conversion, and recruiting. If you can successfully generate leads and teach people to convert those leads and add more people to that equation, all the other stuff just becomes organization. If you can do those three things well, you're going to be successful no matter who you are and no matter what company you run. Yeah, it's, it's almost the difference between uh, what would you call like push and pulling, right? So you can either like push your business along or you can figure out how to get the customers to pull it along, which is the lead generation. If you can just get the lead generation taken care of, yeah. and then, then you can work on the other pieces and you kind of work, work your way back, right. but the, the consumers are literally pulling your business along. Yep. Yeah. All right, so what are some of the other uh, personal development issues that come up when you're building a team? Like learning learning to lead a large team, learning yeah. to put different pieces in place and uh, yeah, starting a lot of, your management. A lot of people talk about culture and, you know, who are the right people? How do you know if someone's the right fit? When should I hire someone? I have people call me all the time to ask advice about a new hire. Or they ask about if they're growing, you know, is it bad to grow too fast? I really just say go. You know, aim, fire, you know, take action, move forward. Because the worst thing that happens is you just fire them. I mean, if someone doesn't work out, like I like to bring my people on on a three-month probation. So they start off with us saying, you know, I don't know if you're going to be a good fit for us. You don't know if we're going to be a good fit for you. Why don't you come on temporarily for the next three months? We'll treat you as if you're full-time. And in three months, let's have a quarterly review and make a decision at that point if we think you're a good fit and if you think you're a good fit. Typically, an agent's not going to have a bunch of sales in the first three months, depending on if they were in the business previous or what kind of business they were doing previously. Uh, we start to see really good results after the first 12 months, and there's a lot of other reasons why we'll cover in future podcasts. But we can absolutely 100% positively identify the agents that are going to be successful based on their interaction with our team in the first 90 days. And the things we're watching for are their participation in team events. We have three trainings a week, um, our dialogue training. Uh, we have our team training, which is 18 hours of 18 different topics that we rotate through uh, pretty much every four, four and a half months. And then we have a team accountability meeting where we do some training at that as well. If someone's showing up, a lot of times they're just going to be successful for being there. You know, you yeah. show up, you're going to learn, you apply what you learn, you're going to get results. The people that don't show up are the people that fail. And we actually track Matt, our accountability coach tracks every person that goes to every event. So mm -hmm. he pulls it up on an Excel spreadsheet and we give people weekly, monthly and monthly and yearly scores based on their participation just for showing up. And it's amazing to see the parallel with the people that show up in their sales volume. The people that yeah. show up are selling over 30 to 35 houses a year. The people that don't show up aren't. And you'd think, well, the Rainmaker doesn't need to show up. It's the opposite. By The Rainmaker's showing up to stuff, the agents that sell a lot on our team, they're contributing to the training. They're adding a ton of value to the agents that don't sell a lot. And they've bought into this team and team culture, team concept, and they're helping the younger, newer agents grow. And it's added and you know benefited everybody a ton. So we've really enjoyed just showing up. I think is key. Well, let me ask you this kind of a, a surprise question. Um, so, is there anything in particular uh, that you noticed? No, surprise. <laughs> well, just in the process of having people kind of come through the workshop, and yeah. then and then obviously they're they're keeping in touch and kind of keeping you abreast of progress, and yeah. I'm sure they come back with questions and things like that. What are some of the um, Maybe mindset is not the right the right word for it, but what are some of the mental roadblocks and some of the the personal development issues that you see people running up against in trying and failing to build teams? What's holding them back? Yeah, interesting. Um, I think the hardest thing for someone is spending their own money. So you know, I pr I brag all the time about how great we've done with our marketing service agreements and been able to zero based marketing fees through lender vendor contribution, which is still this gray area, and I don't know why. Respa came out; their attorney. There's a hangout from last year where the RESPA attorney says, 
100% unequivocally, you can have marketing service agreements as long as they're done the right way. So there's no gray about that. That is legal. RESPA said it's legal for any, anyone within the United States. Um, so that always bothers me when people, it's like this myth of real estate that you can't do those. Yeah, everybody is um, like, yeah, everybody's like hesitant to tread on that ground for whatever exactly, reason. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. But I will say with that breath, um, as we as you get bigger, you can just own the businesses. And that's another whole conversation. Yeah. But there's, there's nothing, RESPA says you can own an insurance company, you can own a title company, you just need to be sure everyone signs an affiliated business arrangement disclosure. I've had three attorneys nationally look at this, and there's no problems. That's why brokerages own title companies and insurance companies. But that's a, another conversation. Yeah. So the, th the thing that I notice, um, a lot of the agents struggle with is spending their own money. And in the beginning, I spent my own money all day long. I mean, we need to be able to put some money forward. And the thing is, it's not scary to spend money. It's scary to spend money and lose it. So if you track how your money's spent, you track the results that come from the money you spend, and you can recognize that you're getting a positive return on every dollar out, then who cares how much money you spend? And it takes a year to know. Uh, we track everything for four years. We've tracked everything we have a, what we call our return on investment calculator. And so for every dollar I put towards Google AdWords, I know I get $5 back, sometimes $10 back, um, depending on where I'm putting my money and where I'm putting our focus. We put 70% of our mar marketing budget each month to things that we know work. We put $30, or sorry, 30% 30 of our marketing budget each month to new ventures that we don't know will work at all, which is scary, but it's risks that we're willing to take to continually be one step ahead of our competition and ensure that we're getting the greatest return on investment. Um, but agents have a hard time spending their money on stuff. And you know, in the beginning, you wanna go out and get those marketing service agreements, but you have to be able to augment that spend. You can't expect from day one to be able to get $5,000 a month for marketing you know, lender vendors. In the beginning, I got 2,000 a month, but then I was putting about 2,000 a month of my own commission income towards the leads that I was trying to generate with the understanding that if we had one sale a month from the lead I was referring out to my agent, I was going to make 2,500 bucks and they were going to make 2,500 bucks. So in my mind, I thought I'll spend 24 grand a year. If I sell one house a month from that, I'm going to have a positive return. So I really yeah. wasn't that nervous to do it. I don't know what, what's so difficult for someone to get over that hump, but I would say, just do it, man. Follow the Nike motto, just do it. And I, I guarantee you're going to see a positive result, but you need to track it. Don't do it and not track it or else you won't know what the result is. Well, yeah. And there's two things there. So, and we'll, we'll wrap up here in a second, but so there's two components. Number one is doing the hard work of tracking, which some people are unable or unwilling to do. And then the second thing is I think there's a misconception out there that entrepreneurs are by nature these radical, um, freewheeling, gunslinging risk takers. Right. And that's not, I mean, if you actually talk to them, uh, and, and there's been some articles that have come out lately that fortunately have actually kind of presented the other side, which is that entrepreneurs right. tend to be, yes, they take risks, but very calculated risks. Right. And they're usually protecting their downside in advance somehow. Right. I'm saying like no, you knew, totally hey, I'm going to spend this, but I'm going to spend it in such a way that all I need is one deal a month. I have a, you have a, like a very low threshold of success right. to see if something works. Right. Right. Yep. That's yeah. exactly right. That's what we do. And we'll pull, you know, we're going to, stop contributing certain spends to certain things depending on the results and we now it's all patterns so we're really good in the analytics and so if we see that the pattern is showing that it's going to be a loser it's going to fail then we're going to be out of it as quick as we can it once the pattern has been established and so what i mean by that is like if we're our contact ratio isn't where it needs to be we know when we make five outbound calls one person should answer so if i'm generating leads from a source where we're only getting one person to answer every 15 calls that's a bad sign 
something's wrong with the source or with the way that it's asking for someone to provide us with their information. And so we've created all these patterns surrounding the different outbound calls. We've already made over 100,000 outbound calls this year as a team, by the way. That's not including virtual assistant calls. Last yeah. year and the entire year, we've made 90,000. So we expect to end this year with about 300,000 outbound calls. And we're averaging a 20% contact ratio. Out of the people that we contact, 10% of them are actually agreeing and going on an appointment with my agents. So one out of every 10 people we contact agree and go on an appointment. And 2.5 people that go on the appointment, one out of every 2.5 people end up buying a house with our team. So right now our average is one out of every 189 outbound calls ends up being a sale. So if I have an agent that wants to sell four houses a month, obviously I'm just going to help them set their goal to about 760 outbound calls a month. And following that you know, conversion ratio, they're going to have four sales a month. So it really is easy if you just back into the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Once you have that information, and, and you can use those as kind of benchmarks for your area, they're not they're not too much different. I mean, even no, out in California, the contact ratio is not that much lower. It's similar across um, the board. And you yeah. know, you, you mentioned it's hard to track. It's not hard, and I know why you said it's hard. It's hard because agents don't do it. But if an agent, yeah. yeah, it's perception, and that becomes the reality. If you just create an Excel spreadsheet, you don't need any fancy software. Every time you generate a lead, you put the lead's name, phone number, email address, and then where they came from, and then have a column that, where you keep the notes. That's it. Where did it come from? And when you have a team, you require that all of your agents, when they have a lead, they have to register the lead with the team. And then that makes it theirs. So no one else can ever register that lead. So the first person to register it, it always is theirs in their sphere of influence. They register where the lead came from. And then once those leads go pending and then close, you have a separate database where you track all of the sales. And then at the end of the year, you can sort them based on source and be able to track what percentage of your deals came from sign calls, open houses, uh, buyer calls, inbound calls to your office, you know, whatever, whatever sources you guys have indicated in there. We've been doing that for five years. Actually, I've been running Excel spreadsheets for 10 years and tracking all this stuff. So it's become really fascinating to watch how, how that's progressed over the years. And right now, uh, my team's sitting at about 70% of our sales are coming from people's sphere of influence, which includes their actual sphere as well as their own outbound prospecting efforts. And about a, a third is coming from the leads that I'm generating to them. So just kind of a little fun fact there. Interesting. All right. Well, let's wrap things up, and then we'll uh, let's share once again the dates for the next workshop. So we've got June 20th and then mm -hmm. July 25th. And like I said, you can actually go right through the website and register for those. Uh, so, Jeff, give us a little bit more. I, I kind of gave just a brief yeah. overview. Give us a yeah, little let's bit more. So, and I also want to add one other thing. We're beta testing an option where you can come in plus one. So it's essentially two people, um, team leader, rainmaker, whoever, plus a guest, if you want to bring a significant other or an admin or a partner, however that looks on your team, essentially two people. What I don't want is two separate rainmakers that are on separate teams. That's not allowed. But if it's you and a guest from your team or a significant other, I'm fine with you bringing someone else along. That's $3,000. So like Matt mentioned before, you're going to get access to our Google Drive, which is all of our intellectual property, not only where we are today, but forever. As long as I'm alive and Elite Real Estate Systems is chugging along, which it will be, you're going to have access to all of the updates. You, we also are going to add you to our private Facebook page. We only have 80 people that are on that in that group right now, and those are all people that have paid the three grand. In the last 12 months, we've hosted about 80 people who've come to Omaha, taken advantage of the workshop. So it's a very tight-knit private group. Whenever we add something to the hang or sorry, to the drive or we do a hangout like this one, uh, we're going to update that group in our private Facebook page so they can ask questions on hangouts. They can you know, be alerted about any new thing we've added to the, the drive. 
Um, so you'd fly in on a Sunday night to Omaha. The hotel is literally next door to our office that we have people stay at. You come to the office at 8.30, you attend our management meeting, our team meeting. I'm here all day. So this isn't like one of those bait and switches where I'll be there to say hello and then I'm off golfing the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> I'm going to actually be around the entire day with you. You, go to, you get to spend an hour with all of our key personnel, ask any questions you want. You get to ask our whole team questions, go to the meeting with 40 people, and then I'll take you out to dinner that night. Now, what we're offering that's new that we're going to beta test right now is for an extra 2000 for five grand, you can bring an additional guest. So you could have a total of three, and you could have that additional guest spend the second day with whoever that corresponding paralleled position is. So if you bring your dialogue coach, they'd spend the next day Tuesday with our dialogue coach. If you bring your listing coordinator, they'd spend the next day with our listing coordinator, ops manager, success manager, and you can email me or Facebook message me to identify who that person would be on our team. But essentially you're gonna have that person shadow our people the second day, and then you're gonna hang out with me the entire second day. We're gonna spend an hour going through your business and helping create a business plan for you and asking me any questions you want that pertain to just your team. And then we're gonna spend the afternoon golfing. Or if you don't like golfing, we can go out and shoot uh, blue, uh, clay pigeon, which is like blue rock skeet shooting. Um, there's a racetrack in Omaha where we could take my car and run around a racetrack. So we'll have like four or five different activities you can pick from. So for an extra two grand, you get a second day for training with your person. And then the team leader gets to spend another day with me. So that's, uh, people are really excited about that. We've already gotten a couple people to register that way. So that's an option if you don't want to just go to the first day. Yeah, and, and a big part of that, besides just the team, you know, team leaders wanting to stick around and have more one-on-one -on -one time with you, was the probably the biggest thing that we hear after the workshop is, you know, a, a good lord, like my my oh, transaction yeah. coordinator huge. needs yeah. to see this. Like yes. they need to see this in person, you know. Yep. So that's gonna be an option. And then the last thing, Matt, if you're a broker listening, we also host broker events. Um, if you can get 10 plus people within your brokerage to come out to a workshop. You know, you even might be a team leader. It's like, man, I think I could get a bunch of people. It's $15,000 for one day. So you can bring as many people as you want for 15 grand and you'd get the whole day private to just you and your brokerage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty easy to cover. I was just talking to someone the other day that um, they do something not similar, but they've done in-person events before and uh, they get about 12, you know, 12 to 15 grand yeah. from sponsors for a one day event. So it's not, yeah. uh, I mean, you can get sponsors to uh, to cover quite a bit of that. Yeah, all you could, we've had people come to our event too, where like the lender pitched in half. So if you you know you get your lender, even if maybe you're coming by yourself, get your lender to cover it or pay for half and bring your lender along. I can actually I've had the same lender for five years on board, and so you could I can have my lender here as well. So if you get your lender to cover it, my lender will come and spend a day with your lender which I think would be really beneficial as well. So that's another option. So feel free to reach out to me. People always watch these podcasts and think it's like impossible to talk to either of us. You can Facebook me anytime. I'm going to respond within 24 hours. So I'm pretty easy to get a hold of via Facebook. I, I have a time on my calendar that I've blocked out to respond to all Facebook messages every day. And I'll be sure to respond to you. So if you have a direct question pertaining to the workshop or anything like that, or even anything maybe pertaining to your own personal business, I'll give you at least one question. Feel free to reach out to me anytime. And I'll be be sure to address those questions as soon as I can. Yeah, and then you can also follow the Elite Real Estate Systems page on Facebook as well. So that's a good resource uh, to just see what's going on and to keep up on the latest uh, podcasts as they're released and the latest team building field reports and all that good stuff. So, but until then, let's uh, let's send this baby home. And we've got some right. uh, some really cool stuff coming on on the pipe. Basically, down the pipe, we've got interviews with uh, with some really top people. For example, next uh, next month in June, we'll be interviewing Sam Monreal 
who is a coach, and as well as he's helping build out a company called Rockerbox, uh, which makes follow-up calls and does lead follow-up for anybody that's on the Boomtown platform. It's a really, really cool system. So I'll be talking to him about how to build out and train your ISA teams because he is the one that's really helped them uh, take that business to another level. So we'll be having interviews with guys like that and Tim Heil and a lot of heavy hitters on yep. the podcast in the coming months. So keep an yep. eye out for that. But we're also doing, and this is something that we've never done before, we're actually going to interview uh, Jeff's success manager as well as his operations manager, each of them separately, once per month, and we're going to put them on with their equivalent positions and on other top teams around the country. All right, so we're actually going to share with them and, and have them share with each other. You'll get to basically peek inside a couple of top guys on a team, masterminding together on how to hold agents accountable, how to really manage a team of agents instead of when it's outside of a brokerage context, how to coach them how to hold them accountable to goals, how to help them set good goals. And then Kevin McGowan, the operations manager, is going to talk a lot about the, the nitty-gritty of you know managing your admin staff, you know setting up all of your systems, talk about gecko boards and some of the unique things that your team does, Jeff. So there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. So if you haven't already, and if you're listening to this, make sure to subscribe a couple of different places. Number one, on YouTube, so you get the, the latest videos when they come out, because every one of them will be recorded just like this. But then if you want the audio version, uh, so that way you can listen in the car, at the gym and speed it up. If you'd like to get through more content in less time, head over to iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to the audio versions there. Awesome, Matt. We'll appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back here in a couple weeks recording some really great content and uh, appreciate everybody listening. And again, don't hesitate to reach out and would love to see you at one of our upcoming workshops, June 20th and July 25th. That's right, guys. Check out uh, everything on EliteRealEstateSystems.com. And until the next one, thank you so much, Jeff. All right. Thank you, Matt.